Listener note, this episode contains discussions of alleged child sexual abuse and suicide. A beautiful YouTuber gained millions of views, but the families of some of those swayed by her videos claimed she took her influence too far. Soon, accusations of practicing counseling without a license, leading a cult, and exerting mind control over her followers gained this content creator and spiritual leader quite a reputation. Is she a source of comfort for her followers, or is she creating a community under her total control? This week's episode is Teal Swan, Spiritual Influencer or Modern Day Cult Leader, Part 1. In the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. You asked a great question when we first started looking into this subject. Which was? Of what is the difference in her and any other religious leader? Which I think is a fair question. Well, this I posed that question after watching the, not quite, I think, the whole first episode of the Hulu series, Open Shadow? Nope, The Deep End. The Deep End, yes. The one that she... Uh, kind of made herself is open shadow that's more mm-hmm. pro teal the hulu series is i would say anti teal or perhaps they're both just showing two sides of the same coin and you can decide for yourself what you think about it she's um a, a divisive figure because yes. it, for any source online you find talking about her or any comments or whatever it's never like eh. Someone's either like, she is a villain monster who must be stopped, or she is God and she has saved me. And it is yeah. very fascinating that it is either or. She's and ve- she's, she's pretty polarizing. Polarizing. Mm-hmm. And she uses language like that, right? You're like, in the tribe, she's a white lady that says tribe mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> yeah, she calls, and I believe her followers call themselves the Teal Tribe, but she yes. does nothing to correct that. But yeah, watching it, At first, I was, and like most cults start out, it does bring up the question, for me at least, of how different is this really from any religion or anything that the people follow? And then as I watched more of it, it obviously becomes problematic, but in my opinion, a lot of religion becomes problematic too. So I... And perhaps it's controversial, and I'm not trying to knock anybody's religious views. Everyone's entitled to believe what they want until it becomes harmful to others, especially those that um, are minors and not, you know, can't consent to what's going on. But a lot of the stuff she touts is stuff that you can see in lots of other religions and, like, any cult leader, that's usually how they get their information is just kind of drawing from different things that have spoke to them or that they think is marketable and then kind of, you know, smashing it all together to to present a new thing. But it's really not new. It's a Bentino Massaro old country buffet style where you just go take a little bit of each mm-hmm. thing and go, I made this plate. And you're like, well... 
did you make the plate or did you take a little bit out of the buffet and then come and present the plate to me? Like you didn't make, you didn't go cook any of that. It's mm-hmm. not your restaurant. So that's, she takes a lot of stuff from other, in fact, there's allegations of plagiarism of some of her books, passages, like whole passages of her books. Other spiritual authors who have had these concepts have been like, well, that's kind of verbatim, mm-hmm. exactly what I said. So, I mean, how many new ideas are there under the sun? But I think you're right. When you get, Anybody that's vulnerable, which a lot of folks come into her or even some cases religions come into them, are vulnerable. And it's the onus is on the leader, whether it's a priest, a pastor, whoever, to say, "Ah, you know, here's ways for you to cope with this on your own. I think where we venture into dangerous territory with Teal is that she says, allow me to diagnose you with this DSM-5 issue and then treat you for it despite being licensed. So I think, because I was Googling, I was like, well, you're allowed to be, because there are licensed clinical social workers or therapists, depending on the licensure of each state, and then people who are also pastors. And you can look, when you're looking for a therapist, it'll say like, uh, provides therapy through a Christian lens. And like, that may be great for some people and terrible for other people, in which case, you know, you're told that. But they're also like held to like ethical standards and mm-hmm. licensing and things like that. Whenever you do say, okay, I'm a priest, I'm going to go confess my sins. I doubt the priest is like, well, let's talk about your generalized anxiety. Now, uh, here's some, t-. you know, it's like, pray about it. This is supposed to be emotionally a salve for you. But I think Gwen Chamblin, Laura, and the Way Down cult, when she started telling members like, don't take your antidepressants, mm-hmm. don't take these pills, that's when you go from, she was went from a, preacher to a controlling cult leader of like, I am now going to step out of the spiritual leader realm and start telling you what you can do to treat these actual illnesses. So yeah, I think it's always a fine line between cult leader and someone that's just leading a congregation of, of sorts, whatever that is. And to play devil's advocate, you know, if these are adults that are can consent to whatever is happening and they want to believe this and they are comfortable doing that are are we allowed to tell them that's not okay who are we to do that i mean this is all again devil's advocate it's i'm not really looking for an answer there but it's always something whenever we cover stuff like this that kind of tickles my brain because I don't know if I have a clear-cut answer. I mean, I know where my personal line in the sand would be drawn if I was involved in something and then, you know, we turned a corner and now we're here. I'd be like, all right, okay, I think this is this is now crossed into dangerous territory. But that line could be different for a lot of people. Also, if you're in too deep and you're brainwashed, then you might not even realize there's a line at all. That's true. And uh, we have a lot to cover in this one and in part two. Mm-hmm. We had to break it up. And uh, we try to give, uh, I tried not to just look at, I think we both did try to look at pro teal sources, mm-hmm. anti teal sources, and neutral news. So, which there isn't we, a ton of. It's usually either, like no. you said, it's either we're all in or fuck her to the moon. <laughs> There's yeah, two someone, camps. <laughs> She, it's either here or her godlike traits that she is telling you in a video or Google or uh, blogging about, mm-hmm. or Teal Swan exposed. Here's a bunch of evidence, and it's page after page of like expose. So, yeah, I think though, to your point a minute ago, of she's not really saying anything new. I think with a lot of 
these type of, quote, modern day cult leaders, it isn't so much, or for any maybe leader, it's not so much the material or the message, but them, like, their followers fall in love with them, you know? And, like, so even though she's saying stuff we've all heard, it's never been said like this before because Teal's saying it. And also it's, like, their personality that you you are attracted to and their charisma and stuff. So it's um, – She's she can be very charming. She can also be very obnoxious. And you're either in or you're out. It's like when I was a kid and I did not know that Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm wasn't the original song. Mm. I just thought it rocked. <laughs> there you go. As a song. Or um yesterday, the Boys to Men cover of the Beatles song. I was like, This Boys to Men song is great. Mm. And my father said, Well, it's a Beatles song. That's called a cover. And I said, <laughs> What? They stole the song from mm-hmm. the Beatles? And he said, no, it's a cover. Bands do it all the time. I distinctly remember learning that. So she's just like a cover band for famous leaders. Or she's a genius alien from space and 6,000 years old. We will learn this all today. <laughs> Who's to say? Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Mary Teal Bosworth was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico on June 16, 1984, to Bobby and Gordon Bosworth. Her parents moved with her to Logan, Utah, where she spent most of her early years. In the docuseries, The Deep End, Teal describes how she scared the crap out of her parents as a child with her abilities and personality. In the 2017 documentary, Open Shadow, Teal claims, I was born with clairsentience, clairaudience, claircognizance, and clairvoyance. This would mean she can perceive, hear, understand, and see things that are otherwise invisible. As a child, Teal claimed she began seeing entities walk around the room and also began recognizing people's aura colors. Rather than seeing the physical bodies of people around her, Teal claimed in one of her later YouTube videos that she sees energy vibrations of people and that she has the ability to see past the skin into organs, into the bone structure. In another video on her YouTube channel, Teal said that while others may get their abilities after a major event, she was born with them. This lady walking around looking at people like they're operation game. That <laughs> she can see, see in inside. the bones? Yeah. Um, I've heard of people that say they can see auras and at psychic fairs and stuff. There's cameras that allegedly take your picture and you can see an aura around you and I'm things fine like that. that. I'm fine with the aura. You don't want it's- her to act like a TSA x-ray machine? <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm opting out of the scan, uh, like the metal detector. Don't be looking at my bones; those are private. Mm. Those are my bones. But I do like that she is like some people get hit in the head. You get kicked by a horse, and then you're psychic. Not me, guys. I was born with it. I was always under the impression that most people were born with them if they claim to have had them. I I didn't think most said a major event, but I don't know. I don't. She, it, it seemed important for her to delineate that maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Teal Swan's Maybe it's Maybelline. But... <laughs> in a blog she posted on Medium in her adult years, Teal described herself as an idiot savant. Writing that. When I was younger, I was given the IQ test twice. Both times, the score came in at over 170 points. What that means is that I'm a genius in some ways and underdeveloped in other ways. For a comparison, the average adult IQ is 98, 
whereas Albert Einstein and Bill Gates were both blessed with IQs of 160. Do you think she snuck the test out the window to Elaine? <laughs> I just watched that episode not too long ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was given an IQ test as a child, but I don't know the score. I still don't know what I scored. I mean, if Einstein's 160 and she's 170, 200 is probably, yeah, probably what correct. I'm rolling with. Easily. Right? Yeah. 200s. Easily. Do you know yours? I, uh, no. I don't. I haven't taken an IQ test um, maybe like online, but I don't think those are. Yeah, legit. it would have been like a long time ago. I like that Albert Einstein, genius IQ level, theory of relativity, figured out gravity, stuck his tongue out while riding a bicycle and took a poster of it. Whatever. Bill Gates invents Microsoft, billionaire. She's smarter than both of those, yet not a billionaire. Yet she's on her it's way. True. I looked up her net worth, and she's she's not hurting. What did it say? Um, she from YouTube alone is making like six figures easily. These are never right. These like earnings a month too. That's a month. Trendingnewsbuzz.com, which I think is probably not. Oh, it's so slow. It's a. It's definitely one of the definitely. websites that I looked at. Um, there were just commas and no decimal points, so. It was very confusing. And I'm like, I don't think she's making $100 million a year, which is what it was trying to say. But she's, uh, she's, I imagine she's well over a million a year. Uh, easily. Yeah, with that many YouTube followers, mm-hmm. that's YouTube is quite lucrative. Plus touring and uh, books, and she's got Charging. all sorts of irons in the fire. Training fees, all that good stuff. I will say, I think... Speaking as someone that has uh, most likely an IQ of 200, when you are this smart, a lot of hardship also can come with it. You're almost too smart for your own good, which in all seriousness, I think Albert Einstein probably uh, suffered some in his life because he was uh, too brilliant. You know what I mean? You you are a yeah. savant. It's like you really are very, very Can't smart. Can't tie your own shoes. That's what they say. Yeah, or – uh, maybe like mentally in in distress because of your brilliance. What was it? Um, oh gosh, the movie was so good. Jeffrey, someone started in, and it was about the savant that was the classical pianist, and it was based on a true story. The pianist? Uh, no, that was with Adrian Brody, I believe. This nice. was Jeffrey Rush. Shine. Oh yeah, that's the one. And he, and I mean, that's kind of an example. He was a brilliant piano player, but very troubled mentally and emotionally because the way his brain worked. It, that would be a struggle. And it would be a struggle if you only see through people's skin into the bones. Isn't that face blindness? Because everyone would look like a skeleton. I can't get over her looking at people's Um, bones. I imagine if I had that, I think I can see people's faces, but I can, can also it. see through to them. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, maybe it's like a, a fuzzy type of thing. If you focus on it, I also think it's bullshit. But if, <laughs> if it, let's, hypothetically, you can do this. Uh, maybe you can, like, hone in on it, but other times you're like, I'm just trying to see your face. Every time you're having a conversation, it's like, are you looking at me? Or are you looking at my bones right now? And it's like, I was I was looking at you. No, you weren't. No, you fucking weren't. I don't think I would want to be looking at people's bones, so I would turn it off. Because 
bones are bones. I mean, how different can bones look? It's terrifying. It's just skeletons. I want what's around going everywhere. on on the outside. I'm not trying to fuck a skeleton. <laughs> trying to get boned in a different way. You know what I'm saying? I got. That's when you got to turn it off. You're like, God like damn turn. it! I got to But then you can't. It gets in your head. You're like, just like another Seinfeld. Or no, that's Friends when they can't stop thinking about Chandler's mom. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. According to B. Schofield, founder of Guru Magazine, who has dedicated her journalism career to exposing cults, Teal has also claimed she is a multidimensional Arcturian alien who works with 11 other aliens in a Greenpeace-type organization. Arcturians are mystical beings meant to rid the planet Earth of reptilians who are enslaving humans. Teal has also claimed she can see the future. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lee Schofield wrote about Bentino Massaro. We've. Yes. Uh, several. Cl- also, um, Love is One. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Love is One. Yeah. Well. Uh, she's written on, on many, many cults. So she's she's a bit of an expert in the field. But yeah, we went very quickly from being a genius to being an alien. Yeah. Took a turn mm-hmm. very quickly. But if you're I- an alien, probably more likely you can see through people's skin. That's true. Because you're then super advanced. Not- and you would be smarter. I would just assume aliens are smarter. I like that there's a Greenpeace-type organization with the le- only 11 other aliens. Seems like a lot well, to handle. Well, it's a very uh, – it's where the cool kids sit in the lunchroom. It's a very she-she table to be a part of. <laughs> it's very she-she. Mm-hmm. She uh, also claims, I believe, in in, con- in conjunction with the Arcturian-ness, to have the access to these records that – I can't even think of the name. Uh, Akashic Records that are, I bought a book on it in Casadega, Florida that I have not gotten into yet. But it's these records that have all of mankind, history, past, present, and future Mm. written. And if you go into a place in your mind, you can go in and read these. And I believe she claims that she can read these. Oh, so they're uploaded to the cloud, but only certain people can access them with their minds? Yes. Okay. The password is like mega meditation, and then you can access these i'm gonna read the book i'll probably read it on the plane because <laughs> i gotta find out how to access the record that's true I and when you know. find out just tell me because i'm not reading that book but i'll take your uh condensed notes you can share passwords <laughs> okay it's cool. like netflix also god it's better be an easy password because if it isn't saved in my phone i don't know how i'm getting in i'm never getting in so it's gotta be I, saved in my brain that's it At a young age, Teal and her family moved from Santa Fe to Utah. Teal found the transition quite difficult, specifically because of the large population of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Teal has said that the community believed God only blessed boys with gifted abilities and considered Teal the devil because of her gifts. Because of this, Teal said she was often bullied and harassed by other children. Now, this part, I can get on board with and i i for all of her stuff she says i think there is a grain of truth with a lot of it Mm -hmm. and one of those things is i do believe she was a very depressed child who was bullied and harassed by other kids perhaps because of the gifts she claims to have or because she was an outcast and she wasn't understood by others because of her personality and so you know that's Kids will pick on people for any reason. And, and I can't, if, if there's a group of them that all 
are operating under the same beliefs, religious beliefs, and then someone comes in that is an outsider, I imagine that is a hard thing to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. If they're all going to church together, seeing each other at functions, and you're the new kid in town, you move from Santa Mm -hmm. Fe, you don't go to those things, it's very easy to be outcast. And not kids are shitty. They're mean to each other. And if she, whether she has gifts or not, if you talk about something like that, some kids who are very religiously indoctrinated, probably to think these things are holy and everything else is the devil. Mm -hmm. If you say something that ain't on the list, they're like, oh, you must be the devil. So I imagine that's probably pretty significant of your bullying. Yeah, and her parents were hippies. And in Santa Fe, things were pretty cool because it's more of a a hippie type of place. And then when they moved to Utah, they were park rangers. So they were kind of still doing like the outdoorsy hippie thing. But it definitely was a different environment and community. Teal wrote in an online bio. I started modeling when I was scouted by a New York agency at age 12. For the first five years, I did largely high fashion shows all over the world. However, in a 2004 version of her website, Teal claimed to have been modeling for eight years in cities across the world after being scouted at a horse supply store in Salt Lake City seemingly contradicting her prior account of events. In the same bio, she also claimed to be training for the 2010 Olympic ski team. Steele would later say that modeling and skiing were her escape from the horrendous abuse she was experiencing at the time. This whole, when did she model? Did she actually model? She claimed to be in Playboy in a letter to someone. She makes pretty outlandish claims it's not just i've begun modeling and made a portfolio it's i walked the runway in milan which can be fact checked yes and there's i believe it's teal swan exposed which is one of the main it's anonymously written but it's uh highly cited so there's a lot of citations where they don't just go no they go on a website Teal, teal swan exposes website yes it's it's one of the I don't know if it's groups of people or one person, but it is. she'll make a claim and then they will, whoever runs it, will have screenshots, scan documents that she's handwritten. They come with receipts. It's a receipt-heavy website. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of citing a blogspot.com, but when that website is just simply hosted there, because they're not like a for-profit entity, Mm -hmm. so it's just a free website. But then it is, it was uh, cross-checked, cross-referenced with things. And this, the claims about... uh, Training for the ski team, they have contradictory. The person that ran that training said, well, she was here, but she really didn't rank. She was never going to be in the Olympics. But so it's again, it's not just saying I did competitive skiing. It was I was going to be on the Olympic team. Mm -hmm. It always has to be the highest and best when, like you said, there's probably some truth. She There's evidence that she was skiing. But then you have the coach that's like, well, but not for that. Or like if there's there's a modeling portfolio, but then she goes, oh, but I was in Playboy. Well, We can literally look at old issues like, no, you weren't. Things like that Mm -hmm. where the claims are always way, way bigger than the truth, which is there. There She's an embellisher. Yes. She likes to to embellish. Nth degree. It's like uh, lying on your resume. You may have worked at Best Buy as a cashier, but you weren't, you know, the regional manager of all the stores, which you might claim to have done. So, yeah, but when you're uh, going to lie – it's best not to lie about stuff that can be fact-checked because then you look like a liar. What does she say when people say, girl, we can look at old issues of Playboy. You weren't in them. 
they're haters. They're my haters and they don't understand me. And what they want to do is undermine what I'm doing. They want to undermine teachings, my trainings. And in fact, they're narcissists. They're very. So she doesn't um, answer the question. No, 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 no. It's, it's just always, throwing it back. I, I understand that. But what it is, is they're actually all haters. They're like not part of the teal tribe. They're not part. Of, they want to take me down. They're all there. I have a lot of enemies. I have a lot of enemies out there. As she flips her hair all the time. Yeah. I've been studying her. <laughs> she uh, wears it. It's very long and it's always swept to one side of her neck. Yeah. Super far over. Uh, if she wants to come clean about all this, I suggest you call Nathan Fielder. Yeah. You, you uh, rehearse it. <laughs> you want to rehearse. She rehearses it or. I think she needs to work with Nathan Fielder. They get the YouTube set up. They got to do. Run through like the rehearsal on HBO Max. God, I would watch the shit out of that because Nathan Fielder does not back down. And I think he and he is fine with awkwardness. So he would she would have met her match in him. Oh, but the whole thing of the rehearsals, you have to admit that you want to come clean with something. Mm -hmm. So if she did want to come clean with these lies, call Nathan Fielder. They can rehearse it and then she can. Say, I t- I know I told you I had a master's degree. I don't really. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Watch the rehearsal on HBO if you're able. It is quite shocking. At age 17, Teal's mom took her to China to study Qigong at a healing center outside of Beijing. According to Teal, her mom wrote to the healing center for help after Teal attempted suicide several times. Teal's mom was delighted to hear from the healers at the center that Teal had a great gift and didn't have anything wrong with her. Unfortunately, Teal's time at the center wasn't as successful as her mom had hoped. When they returned to Utah, Teal attempted suicide again. This time, she was institutionalized. And this is uh, from the Open Shadow documentary, which was created in 2017, before the Hulu series The Deep End. And it was uh, produced by a person who is quite enamored with Teal. It's very positive. Her parents are interviewed Mm -hmm. extensively in it. And... For all the things that Teal said and done, I will say all glory goes to her parents. Her parents for seem being like very nice and understanding people. Extremely very understanding supportive. and listening to her and not just brushing her off, mm-hmm. like trying what they could, trying different things, different methods. And when things that they tried didn't go well, admitting, you know, we did the best with what we had. We were, you know, we're park rangers, right? We're not psychologists. We don't know all of the things that we should be trying. So to take your kid all the way to China just to try to get them help. I mean, I think that shows, too, she has extremely dedicated mm-hmm. parents that really cared about her. Yeah. Teal has said that her when she was in China, she felt happiest because it was the first time she felt understood and that She felt like she fit in and belonged and everything. Her parents, as much as they tried, they, like a lot of kids that are troubled. And, you know, I mean, that's one of my biggest fears is Simon or Ella, like, having issues that we just don't know how to communicate with them or reach them. And it's heartbreaking to be a parent and not feel like you understand your kid and and can help them, especially when... You know, they're being bullied and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, Teal later came out and said that she also didn't tell her parents a lot of stuff that was going on at the time because she already did feel so ostracized and like she was a weirdo and problematic and she didn't want to add anything more to that. Teal was diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder in her teens. She also began seeing mental health practitioner 
Barbara Snow, who was practicing in Utah. Snow had made headlines as a central figure in the satanic ritual abuse panic that happened in the late 1980s and early 1990s, according to Rick Allen Ross of the Colt Education Institute. Snow would suggest to children that there was some repressed memory, that they were so traumatized that they could not deal with what they needed to face. Still, Teal's parents allowed the relationship. And we talked about this earlier today when you were like, knowing what you knew about her, why would you choose her as a practitioner? And perhaps they thought she was uh, right about all that. I mean, she was very well known for being a child psychologist, specifically helped children. This She treated Teal way after all that stuff happened with the satanic panic, but they, uh, they sent her to her. I don't know if it's just because you gain this reputation that she's on TV. She's helped all these kids. She's being used as an expert. I would... I mean, that was a time, the 90s, even into the early 2000s, kind of, oh, maybe it's the devil that's doing it. And yeah. Barbara Snow was the like spearhead of that. One of them, you know, not not totally, but she was a proponent of that. Well, and we'll get into the alleged abuse in a minute. But Teal has said that the person she claims was her abuser was very religious, also in a cult, and told her parents that she was possessed by the devil and a demon and stuff. So if any of that is true and you're hearing that from someone that you trust, you might think, okay, well, if something like that is going on and maybe that would explain these abilities she has, perhaps Barbara Snow, who has experience with satanic stuff, might be able to help. In one of the trials where Snow had allegedly uncovered a case of widespread child sexual abuse, the authorities were less than convinced with her findings. A Utah County chief deputy attorney observed Snow coaching children through a two-way mirror and testified at trial. I was appalled. Snow had so conditioned those children that I had serious concern about using them as a witness in cases. Other practitioners and colleagues were also concerned with Snow's tactics. Snow asked one child... 50 times whether she was abused. Each time the child said no, until the child finally agreed. Afterward, the child confessed to another therapist that she only said yes because she feared being yelled at by Snow. And then, of course, that's a huge issue with having a witness that's essentially been not just coached, but manipulated. Yeah. If, if that's what happened. It's and that's also it's completely like- unethical for a counselor especially a child counselor or any counselor, to be planting these thoughts into children's heads. And And yeah, and it's all uh, allegations as far as what Teal says happened to her. And then working with Barbara Snow, I think that it's not, we don't know for certain that Barbara Snow planted memories in her. However, we have people who interacted with Barbara Snow on other cases saying, I witnessed this through a two-way mirror and it gave me great pause and it stands to reason that if she's treating this victim of abuse this way, that's sort of how she treats, you know, that Mm -hmm. would be uh, in line with how she treats other victims of abuse, which is to say, this happened to you. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. That's the allegation, at least. And to make a comparison to cult leaders, it is very cult leader-ish to um, drill into someone that something has happened to them when it hasn't. Uh, It's called gaslighting. And to also not accept the answer they're giving you 
as truth to continue to beat them down until I mean, it's like a false confession. Oh, exactly. I mean, it, and this is, it sounds like what happened in the Ryan Ferguson case. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what happened in the in the uh, Clemente Aguirre case where you have someone that just gets asked something over and over and over again. And they go, yeah, OK, fine. What do I need to say? Of, of course, Ryan Ferguson never broke, but I'm thinking of his co-defendant. Mm-hmm. And you, you say, OK, whatever, whatever you want me to hear. And especially if a kid, a child. Even a teenager might just go, okay, whatever. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. Not understanding the ramifications of that acquiescence that you're just like, yeah, it's fine. Like, okay. You know, because the kid just wants their just coloring and they just want this lady to stop asking it's them the same question. fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. Snow's license to practice therapy was temporarily suspended and she agreed to probation after violating the codes of professional conduct and ethical principles. The incident, which occurred in February of 2008, years after treating Teal, involved Snow convincing her own family members that they had suffered satanic ritual abuse and falsifying notes in connection with the allegations. This is fucking yeah. wild, dude. She's What's also fucking wild? She still practices. Yeah, this is a, in the vein of Candy Montgomery is practicing as a counselor mm-hmm. in Georgia. Uh, the issue, the incident that happened with... Um, Barbara Snow in this, it was just kind of bizarre. She alleged, she convinced a male relative he was abused by his father and convinced a female relative she was the victim of satanic abuse and military testing. And then when she was questioned, she provided made up notes about the sessions. Which she admitted to. Which she admitted to. And in an, in the same agreement that she agreed with the state for, to the, the suspension, she admitted to destroying a relative's computer equipment mm-hmm. and also adding dates, changing dates on her therapy notes. And uh, the state didn't really find that to be unprofessional conduct, but they noted it and she admitted to it. But it was interesting that, I mean, she went, I believe she went at a relative's computer with a baseball bat. It was quite an, uh, an ordeal. But it, again stems out of this idea that convincing someone, not uncovering something, but it sounds like convincing someone that something happened, which you're just, now you're playing with people's minds. I don't understand her hard-on for satanic abuse. It's it is, all, it, is she being paid by the the fundamental right? I mean, I don't understand, like, what, why she has this so up her ass and it, this... It's such a weird hill to die on and such a weird thing to, like, try and convince people of. It is an odd thing to be fixated on, obsessed uh, with, and really just will not – She, I mean, she won't let up. It's not like she says, well, it could be X or Y. It's like, tell us, is it true? Isn't it true that it was this satanic – Or so she had lodged – I think they said by the 80s she had lodged something like 40 accusations against different adults that they were all uh, satanic, uh, satanist. And all it's very interesting to note, the majority of those she accused were Mormons. I remember quite vividly, I want to say it was a Lifetime movie in the 80s that was about satanic panic. And in this, and she may have been the one that was involved with this, it was a daycare or maybe a school and all of the children started saying that their teachers were part of this satanic cult and that underground in the in the uh, playground area was a tunnel where they would take them 
and abuse them and do all these rituals and stuff to the point where police came out. They investigated everything. They couldn't find anything. But, you know, I mean, at the time, Internet sleuths weren't really a thing. But people even themselves would go out and, like, look through, dig around the ground to see if they could find any trace of this. And all of these people's lives were ruined the teachers, yeah. the parents were also accused. It went to trial. It was a huge fucking trial. And inevitably, none of it was found to be credible. Yeah, you're and you're there's a documentary on it. And then it's, of course, been covered by uh, in just different articles about these cases because it's significant that her involvement in, in various cases in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals for one of the cases that she was involved in it detailed her methods and it's shocking. I'm not a practitioner by any means, but she said that during the interviews with children, she did not record them or take notes or write reports following the interviews. She admitted that her own integrity was the only way of verifying what occurred during the interview sessions. So what? Yeah. How does this bitch have a license? I'm sorry. Uh, It's I'm it. It, one thing, don't fuck with kids, yeah. okay? And when you start getting in their heads and convincing them of all this stuff, that is going to be lasting trauma and completely change the trajectory of their life. As we have seen with Teal, her whole fucking life now is dedicated to to this whole stuff. When did it happen? Did it not? Who's to say? But when you have someone that has a extensive track record of planting false memories that are very specific to satanic rituals and abuse in children's heads, it's hard not to see how we can get from point A to point B with Teal. Uh, I mean, truly, and if you take the documented incidences of what Barbara Snow has done, and it's not our opinion, we're not saying anything that literally the court hasn't written. I mean, the court said this was done in bad faith. This failure to record this interview is in bad faith because other therapists and police officers said, can you record what you're doing with these kids? And she said, no, it's my integrity, according to the Tenth Circuit. And what you've just done is you've lost this priceless moment. That's the word that the Tenth Circuit used, this priceless moment where you're getting the kid's version of what happened absent any other manipulation. And now we can never know what really happened possibly because you have now manipulated a very malleable mind. Mm-hmm. And what you were talking about is she the, the various cases she was involved in, it would – no recording of the interviews with the kids, but somehow when the kids came out, they all would have – these similar patterns of descriptions of what happened that modeled what other cases that she had worked on. And it just so happened she happened to be the one that would uncover this. And I wonder if it's, you know, if it's like hero syndrome, why someone would do that. But it would in another uh, the Utah Supreme Court wrote a decision and it was all involving a neighborhood sex ring. Uh, members of the church, it would all be people at the same church, satanic rituals and sex parties. And then in all the cases, Children that were taken to Barbara Snow would then identify other children that they knew, probably because they're fucking kids. And you go like, "Did you, were your friends mm-hmm. with you? And they're like, oh, I don't know, Bobby, Susie. And then those kids would come in and then she would repeat the process. And suddenly it just becomes this like, I mean, I hate to, it's a overused, but when people say it's a witch hunt, essentially mm-hmm. it is a an uh, hysteria, satanic panic is the exact right yeah, word for it. Yeah, it's created so, mass hysteria. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, so it's, bizarre that and they said kids that would come out of therapy with her two different kids drew two almost identical pictures 
And some, like, and you know, she would argue, well, this corroborates everything. While yeah. others would argue, it's because you told them what to do and their yeah. kids and they did it. I would love to see a documentary following up on the kids, those kids that are adults now. And if they have memories still of that or, or, or their time with her and just how they're doing. Like, yeah, did it fuck them up for that. life? I'm sure. I mean, there's lo- something lasting, obviously, yeah. but it is uh, disturbing when you really d- dive into what she did and the significant damage that that would do. It, but then also, like what the Utah Supreme Court said, there was nothing ever corroborating any of this. You know, they go search these people's houses. There's no photos. There's no candles. There's no paraphernalia. But the, to hear the kids tell her, and I'm using quotes, the version that she said, oh, well, the kid told me this, this, and this happened and drew this picture. Well, they all ended up being all identical, and then there was nothing to corroborate it except for there's not even a recording of the kid admitting that. That's it's just wild. her integrity saying that that happened. So, why why is yeah. her integrity what we care about? We need to be focused on the child's integrity. The uh, alleged victim's integrity is what we should be hearing in court, not this woman who has some weird obsession with satanic stuff. Which, as the Utah Supreme Court and authorities said, what never happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's bizarre, and it's I, super I, bizarre that she still has a, a practice. It's wild, but I think it's all that to say it's Teal's treat Teal receiving treatment from her. She comes out on the other side saying the following: Yes, yes. After her treatment by Barbara Snow, Teal began sharing her own story and allegations of abuse. She claimed that from age six to nineteen. She was held captive and repeatedly abused by a satanic cult in Idaho called the Blood Covenant Group, helmed by a friend of her parents. The crux of her allegations involved being repeatedly drugged with the tranquilizer ketamine and then physically and sexually abused. Because she was already thought of as a strange and problematic child, Teal says she never told her parents about the abuse while it was happening. Another form of torture, Teal alleges, is that her abuser would walk her through violent mental imagery, like her mother being skinned to death, her father being disemboweled, and her brother being ripped limb from limb. Speaking about this to documentarians, Teal said her abuser would walk you through visualizations where that's what you see. And if something like that is implanted into the subconscious mind, it's like it becomes way more real. I had no reason not to believe him. I find this very interesting because is this not what Barbara Snow did? It is interesting. And when you see her in open shadow talking about this abuse, mm-hmm. it is it seems to me like she believes it. Oh, I, 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 I don't know if I think she believes it one way or another, but I, I can uh, concede that I can understand if she did believe it. And if, she, and if that's, true and none of this happened i feel very sorry for her that this woman came in and implanted all these false memories of horrible horrible things not just kind of a uh, not just like abuse like the most fucked up forms of abuse you can imagine if that is what happened and she now thinks that that really happened to her that's heartbreaking Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those. It doesn't matter. Either 
it really did happen and it's horrific mm-hmm. or even if it didn't happen and she believes that it was true that's almost just as bad i mean your brain still reacts to it like like it was a real thing perceptions reality and your brain reacts to what you think happened now the third option is she's making all of it up and that's real fucked up yeah, in order to say, listen, I went through this mm-hmm. and I came out on the other side. I, it's like with we'll get into it. And so what do we think? But I think there is th- some sort of abuse happened. Yes, I agree with that. Whether it was by this person that she thinks did it, which was, according to her, a um, the dad of one of her friends. And the first time that she was abused was when she was at this friend's house and uh, she was six years old. And then it. And continued from there, whether it was really that person or another person. I I do think she suffered some sort of abuse. I don't know if it is as uh, the the wild claims that have been made necessarily are true. Yeah, and she the person the the person that runs the cult is this veterinarian in Idaho. The alleged was, cult, yeah. The alleged cult, it was a veterinarian. She referred to him in letters. There's copies of these letters where she called him Doc because he mm-hmm. was a veterinarian. And people have found him. He's given interviews and discussed. Again, there's always a, a truth to it. She did go to Idaho. Mm-hmm. She helped him take care of horses. She visited, went out on veterinary calls with them. So the lion's share of the abuse, she is attributing to this veterinarian who her parents called uh, like a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, they, they thought, okay, she's going through all this. Maybe if she goes to this farm in Idaho and helps this vet, she likes animals. That will be great for her. Therapeutic. Well, to her, t- to hear her tell it, it was way worse. Wait, yeah. not, not that at all. Other alleged tactics of psychological abuse included Teal's abuser telling her that he was her biological father a result of her mother's supposed affair with the man. Additionally, Teal claims the man told her that she was a demon that had taken over the body of the little girl that was born to him, kicking out her soul in the process. In an interview with Sienna Leah, former psychologist and author of Stealing the Moon, Teal said her alleged abuser's best friend was a mortician and had access to dead bodies. Teal told Leah, He taped me into the mortician's office late at night and... When I was about, I'd say, eight years old, he ended up sewing me into a body and leaving me there for about 12 hours. She also alleged her abuser cut her, sexually violated her, doused her in animal blood, and forced her into sex work in BDSM clubs around Las Vegas. I know that for a fact that we have morticians and uh, folks that work in the death industry mm-hmm. who are listeners and our Patreons and have chatted with us before, the one of the websites that uh, debunks her claims mm-hmm. spoke to several mortician experts that I'm assuming our listeners would agree that's physically impossible to fit an eight year old child into a body. I I can't say I would understand how that would happen. Uh, an eight year old, unless the body was a, a giant, like how are you going to fit a, a child into a body? And also. What did you take all the stuff out of the body? So it's just a sack of skin. It mm-hmm. it none of it. It's this is one of the more wilder claims, and uh, I medical people have debunked this. Yeah, and I think that again, it's this. The kernel of truth is absolutely she was in Idaho. Mm-hmm. There's evidence she had a 
uh, relationship of whatever ilk with this veterinarian. Perhaps his best friend really was a mortician. He he claimed in an interview he wasn't. He was like, I don't know what any of that's about. Okay. What? (laughs) He was like, when given that um, allegation, he did not. He was like, I don't know why she would say that. Yeah. But yeah. And she said. He forced her to have sex with other men and in bathrooms and alleyways and basements. And, you know, then eventually as she got older, her claim is the men weren't interested in her anymore. And so eventually she was able to escape. And that's what this the doc said. There's no for that. There's no basis whatsoever. He's like, I don't have a friend that's a mortician. We don't have a crematory. The town that they were in in Idaho was so small. So it's just these kind of like completely outlandish Mm -hmm. claims. They're very they're very outlandish and hard to wrap your head around. Which is hard because if some abuse did happen, now you have people going, no, you didn't get sewed into a body and none of that other stuff Mm -hmm. happened either, which is like, who are we to say it didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean – Perhaps everything she said has happened to her because I I can't say it did or it didn't, you know, and I would hate for someone to not believe me if this fucked up abuse had happened and I go to tell somebody and they're like, okay, that's crazy. You're a crazy person. And that happens so much to survivors that speak out. So, Absolutely. you know, I it's. That's why this whole thing is very sticky and it's very polarizing for a lot of people. Agreed. Teal told Utah's Channel 6 News that her abuser and his cult murdered children and that she watched, saying, I can remember him specifically, not the group, killing five. She then said that the group killed seven other children that she saw as well. Rick Ross of the Cult Education Institute told Vice that Barbara Snow's therapy techniques caused turmoil for patients like Teal, saying, This is what caused controversy around Barbara Snow is that she would manipulate people to believe that things happened to them that never occurred. And these are, again, uh, arguably things that could be looked up and fact-checked. Did five kids, seven kids, is she saying 12 kids? Total, yeah. Go missing, you know, that were, were never found in this area? That's... A large number of children that could be looked up. No, you know, I no one is looking it up because authorities don't believe it actually happened, and they say none of we don't have any record of all these kids going missing, so it's hard for us to investigate anything. Mm-hmm. Teal so believed that the abuse happened that she reported it to the local police department. However, according to Vice, the local police determined that the claims were false. It did not follow up on the case further. Teal's parents, however, corroborated her abuse allegations. In open shadow, her mother says that the couple trusted someone they shouldn't have, calling it a cautionary tale for everyone. Which is very sad. Mm-hmm. I, if, like we said, her parents seem very supportive. They've never called her a liar or, or said she's making all of this up. And if you believe that all of this has happened to your kid... How do you go on? Oh, yeah. You take it so hard because you think we thought this would be helpful to her mm-hmm. and we sent her to this person and all of this horrible stuff happened. So that's I mean, that's going to be something that they would blame themselves. Oh, for. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Teal also kept her diaries and journals from as early as 1992 when she would have been eight years old. In open shadow, Teal reads a journal entry written around this time. 
She said it was a writing exercise one of her teachers had assigned. The entry, written more like a dark poem, described hitting, slapping, and misery. It ended with the words, Child abuse. Something that Teal still can't believe her teacher didn't further investigate, given the disturbing words she wrote. Other entries were written in a secret language only Teal could read to hide the information from her parents. Additionally, Teal self-harmed and would cut herself as a result of the abuse and torture she had endured. She then smeared her blood on the pages of her abusive memories. And this is uh, a pretty impactful moment of open shadow where she shows these boxes of journals, opening the pages of the journals, and then there are browned out mm-hmm. now blood stains where somebody bled on those. And so, and she's like, you know, writ, you know, wrote these really, it sounds like a dark poem or something, laundry list of uh, really scary things, you know, where it's like hitting, slapping, misery, darkness. And then, so those, again, it's one of those, that's real. She's got those boxes of that. And I think that's the issue she takes with the the, the deep end is it kind of, well, she claims this happened, but it never really did. It's like, I think you can't, not everything's as black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can't go, she's a full, full of shit. It's right. all fake. Because she's got, she's got receipts too. You yeah. know, the people that are detractors have receipts as well. And interestingly, it shows her handwriting. And then one of these debunkers, it's called The Truth About Cameron. That's That's a whole other website that has transcriptions of interviews with Doc, the alleged abuser, and then scanned... Uh, a scanned letter that Teal wrote to Doc in 2004, like after everything, that is matches that handwriting. You see her going, "This is my handwriting in mm-hmm. open shadow." So things like that is I don't know what kind of narrative she's trying to control, but it's hard when she's she puts all these things out there that can be fact checked, and you go, "Well, what does this mean then?" I think any eight year old writing those words, a spe- and just flat out saying child abuse. A hundred percent, a teacher, a parent should be concerned and that should be looked into. It's, it's, if her teacher just said, oh, that's weird, that's dark and wrote it off, that teacher should not be a teacher. Anyone that sees that should, should do something about it and look into it further. At the same time, I think, I think that if she wrote those things at eight years old, it's, that is something that an eight-year-old would write if they're being abused and they're, you know, I mean, that's, it's so young to, to say things like that, that it's, it makes me feel like there was abuse going on. And perhaps even this dot guy really was the abuser and abuse did happen. And some of it has been um, embellished so much that it's so unbelievable now that it's taken away from the truth and from people believing that something could have happened. And, and you're absolutely right. If the, uh, the it's the child's handwriting to clarify. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it the, looks the, like the a child stuff, wrote it for sure. Yeah. The, the older journals, I mean, she brings them out and it is very clearly a little kid's handwriting. Her parents are like, Oh yeah, those have been in our house. I mean, I'm not saying they're not real. It's just, and, and also, who the hell didn't see that and say, it says misery, darkness. Yeah. She may have hit it. And she said on purpose, she wrote things in a different language. If she's being, which is also by, something that kids going through abuse would do that. They're, you know, I mean, they've been threatened. Hey, we're yeah, going to hurt your parents. You're we're going to disembowel it. your dad and you rip your brother's arms off. You would want to hide it too. I think the huge shame is that 
whatever abuse she endured, which I think it was some because she, there's obviously evidence of it, has now been colored by her interaction mm-hmm. with Barbara Snow or whatever therapist. And like you said, has now had these layers that it's the abuse was horrifying on its own has now been embellished. And now that leads people to go, well, she just made all this up. I'm going to make a whole website debunking the things she said because she's full of shit. Also, maybe maybe she's made up these things that she's an Olympic skier because she's really fucking sad about what really mm-hmm. happened when she was a teenager. She's disassociating or, you know, just coping mechanisms. It's It's really sad and it sounds as if she needs to be deprogrammed from what she went through with this therapist, which is super fucked up that someone she went to, to seek help Mm -hmm. fucked her up more. Yeah. Like I said, you're, you get your fingers and your mally and you're, you're messing with people's brains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, um, some of the worst types of abuse. Oh yeah. Because it's a vulnerable kid that was looking for help. Mm -hmm. At age 19, Teal moved in with a young man named Blake Dyer. The two had met at a party and had an immediate, intense connection. Still, they didn't know each other well, with Teal describing Blake to documentarians as more of an acquaintance at the time. Because of his innocence, however, Teal told filmmakers that she decided that she could trust him and drove to his home in Salt Lake City to be with him. In open shadow, Blake described their decision for her to stay with him, saying, It was intense. She had just escaped her abuser, she had told me things that had happened, and I was just like, don't go home. Stay here. Stay in Salt Lake. You know, stay at my place and don't go back. Teal stayed, and the two eventually struck up a romantic relationship. After dating for a year, they broke up but remained friends, still living together. For whatever anybody wants to say about uh, the deep end, Blake comes out as a pretty likable character. Seems very like a very nice, loyal person, very kind heart. To have met someone a couple times and they show up at your doorstep and they're like, um, FYI, I just left a very abusive situation. One thing we also uh, didn't mention is she said she was kept in a hole that her abuser dug in his backyard and would be tied up, you know, ankles and wrists bound for hours on end in, in this hole. And what I haven't been able to figure out is... In these times she speaks of, was she staying there and wasn't and was like spending the night and not going back to her parents? She would go and stay with him for a while. He was in Idaho. They were in Utah. Okay. So in she So I think in the letter that she wrote to him afterwards, she was like, I remember I miss all the days I spent with you. So they they so had she a was connection. staying there for like weeks and was spending the night and stuff. So arguably oh, yeah, yeah. all this could have been happening and her parents wouldn't have known because it's not like they're like, Why isn't Teal home for dinner? Oh, she's yeah, in a hole he, somewhere. No, and he, he admits like, Oh yeah, she came over here, I helped her, I remember her, you know. It was he's not denying it. He's like, Oh yeah, that's her So she was spending the night there though. They both yes. agree to that. Okay. She would stay there, yeah. 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 So it with him and his wife. You you're Blake. She shows up. And she's like, all this was going on. I just escaped. Can I stay here? And he yeah. says, yeah. Yeah. That's very and that's kind. What, it, it was, uh, that, like you said, that said, that speaks volumes about somebody who's like, oh, shit. Well, I don't know anything about that, but you can come stay here. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll at least be safe here. Soon after moving in with Blake, Teal began embarking on his spiritual journey an endeavor she and Blake decided to try and monetize. Their efforts were successful. 
According to E! News, Teal's earliest public healing sessions occurred at a bookstore in Salt Lake City called The Cosmic Spiral. During these sessions, an individual seeking guidance would sit across from Teal. Having no official training as a psychological or medical professional, Teal believed her life experiences and how she overcame horrific adversities qualified her to dole out life-changing advice to those that sought her guidance. One of the practices she developed and encourages is called the completion process, a controversial healing method that would outrage experts and endear followers to her so closely that they would do anything, she said. If you're thinking about harming yourself or attempting suicide, tell someone who can help right away. Call the toll-free 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 on any phone to be connected to a trained counselor at a suicide crisis center nearest you. Well, so what do we think about this so far? Well, so far, I uh, I think the really sad part is just seeing anybody in a position of power taking advantage of a vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. And I think in part two, and now we've decided part three, <laughs> you'll hear, we'll, th- we'll see how that is allegedly happening between Teal and her adherents. But I think there's something to be said about, again, we see this uh, divisiveness of she's either this horrible monster or this angel from heaven that can solve everything. And it could very well be that she's reasonably well-meaning, content creator who underwent something significant mm-hmm. the extent to which may be debated but i think she she underwent something that absolutely changed her i think those journals uh, speak volumes and it's important for us not to just take what's spoon fed to us what we're spoon feeding you if you watch if you listen to the gizmodo podcast which is fantastic if you watch the deep end if you watch if you watched open shadow only You'd be like, she's awesome. Yeah. And if you watch The Deep End only, you'd be like, she's a monster. Yeah. I mean, if if you want, you and I both said watching Open Shadow, I was like, she's got some, she's not wrong about a couple things. Yeah, for sure. She was talking about eating a tomato and I was like, oh, damn, she's right. Mm -hmm. Damn, like, if you eat a tomato, you're eating like dirt and water and sunshine. I'm also the person that accidentally followed the wild, wild country cult for a minute. So (laughs) probably not the best. I Uh, said of all the cults, if this is considered a cult... I could see myself getting uh, sucked in, drawn into this one more than others because it is very spiritual. It's very like about self-exploration and just kind of coming to terms with trauma and her methods are unorthodox. She claims they worked for her. And then, you know, those that have gone to school for it chime in and say, no, that's not right to play devil's advocate again. Does going to college and getting a professional degree make you any more qualified to give advice like that? I guess it depends on what kind of, uh, I don't know. It depends on on how you look at things like that. But I don't want to say just because somebody has a degree makes them any um, more, well, I can't say more. What'd you say? I, I would say they probably are better trained. They're better trained, but... You may not make somebody feel as good. Yeah, I I mean, if you innately are able to connect with someone, schooling doesn't necessarily, you don't have to have that. If you're very clinical and robotic, no amount of training is going to make you a good listener and a kind person. And if you're a kind person, 
I think some training would help you do things on the up and up and do things in a non-harmful way. So earlier you said, can we tell if somebody is a uh, fully competent, self-fulfilled, you know, self-fulfilled, like you're a normal grown-up adult, rational person, can we tell them, no, you can't go to this? I think as a society, we've established that certain positions in certain professions are so sensitive that you have to be licensed. Yeah, nobody, I agree. nobody can just go and represent you in court. You have to be a lawyer. You can't just be. Well, I just want to help my friend. That's unlicensed practice of law. I can't just start removing my neighbor's teeth if they ask me. I mean, I could, I guess, but I can't put up a sign and start charging a fee mm-hmm. and like just drilling people's cavities for funsies. If if I hold myself out as that, you people do private things beyond closed doors all the time. I think when you start charging tickets and you start going, this is what, and we'll see in part two. The state of Utah agrees. You can't just start going, I will heal you of your DSM-5 issue that you have right now, like diagnosing medical stuff, legal stuff, and I think in this case, psychological, like counseling stuff. I think we as a society, from a public policy perspective, you do want to have some guardrails on that. Might I say, though, uh, Barbara Snow had all those this bitch is still out and there. She uh, didn't adhere to the ethics and uh, guidelines that her profession required of her that she went to school for. And those those standards are like apparently real low, right? Like when you and you go, shouldn't somebody be looking into that? So that's the question, right? Is we have these guardrails? Do they fucking matter? That's what I'm like, saying. Don't you yeah. want them? You want them to have? You want them to be there? For so sure, it's not like a big free for all. Well, so if you need to. Sue someone. Discipline them. Then, you know, I mean, like you said, we've established these rules in the society that we live in, and we all agree that, like, this is how things are done. Certain things. Certain things. Even, like, serving alcohol, serving food, making sure you're not melling out pink sauce and giving everybody botulism. You know, we have rules on what the labels need to say. I'm not going to go get open heart surgery from my best friend, even if they say... I could do it. I promise you. <laughs> I honestly, heart surgery, no. But if you needed a tracheotomy, I genuinely believe I could do it. I read this book about how to do it with a big ballpoint pen. All I need is a pen. My, I'll save your life. May I tell you that um, when my dad was in Little League, he watched a kid on their team have that done by a parent in the stand. Hero. It worked. Saved, Hero. Saved the kid's life. That's amazing. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, see, I'm glad to know that my methods work. But you don't want to come to me. uh, Still, I'm going to a doctor if I need a tracheotomy. (laughs) I love you, and you can hold my hand while it's going on. So, yes, I'm not. Can I watch? I'll eat a junior mint while you're all (laughs) I'm not some unhinged person that's like, everyone can say whatever they want, and it's not harmful. I'm just coming at it from more of a devil's advocate perspective. Because we both, when listening to her in the beginning, we're like, this just sounds like if you want to go talk to your friend who 30 other people also want to go talk to your friend mm-hmm. and get advice 30 from million. them. Yeah. Who's to say? I will, I love that you brought up Barbara Stone. I think that's a brilliant connection that you go, well, she should be, Teal Swan shouldn't be doing this. She should have a license. It's like, this bitch is doing mm-hmm. all kinds of manner of crazy shit, according to the courts and she still got a license so what candy you know, montgomery people speed uh, has a license murder, to is, practice. murder yeah. is still illegal even though people still kill you know what i mean yeah. and speeding is so illegal and the people still speed it's good to have like these ideas but you're right it's this chaos yeah candy montgomery's out there doing it's practicing wild. in yeah. georgia now none of that is to say what teal is spouting is um as healthy 
And in yeah, we'll get fact, it could be too. quite toxic, which we will get into in um, the next episode. But it still brings up the argument of what? When can when when is freedom of speech no longer allowed? Well, and that's the question too. If it's if the if it's your First Amendment right to practice your religion, and you're like, listen, this is my religion. Yeah. Right now, it's, by the way, it's not, though. She's a for-profit corporation. Yeah, yeah. So we should remind folks of that. She's selling books. She's selling, which is good for you, girl. Get out there and get that hustle. We'll see in part two at what cost, though. Yes. That we have not, we've only gotten into her background. Your all opinions may change as we delve into the process, the treatment of the people, and then the outcome of that treatment. As did but, our opinions change when we delved into oh, it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a well, roller I think coaster. it's just. It's real easy to just label someone, and I, I think it's fun and it's a good, catchy headline. But I think you and I like to we like to gnaw on stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Been gnawing and, on Teal Swan for a minute now. Yeah, I will say, oh, I could follow her. Her words, maybe I cannot stand how she fucking talks yeah. to the camera. I feel like she's talking down to me, and I don't like it. So if yeah. you like it, by all means, go watch the video. I don't give a shit. Some people don't like the way I talk. That's fine too. Turn it off. I don't care. So her personality is very polarizing. And the part of that is the way she carries herself and, and speaks. And I also uh, would have to walk out of the room very quickly. And for that and that alone, I'm not I'm not gonna pay money to to listen to her because uh, it drove me bonkers. It's borderline sarcastic and a little bit. It's smug. It's very smug. Mm-hmm. And I was I we're talking on the Patreon Facebook group today about people speaking disrespectfully and from the Willy Wonka episode of The Office when Michael Scott comes down to the warehouse and tells Daryl, you idiot, you idiot. And Daryl just looks up and goes, start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, excuse me, sir. And I'm like, that is my favorite. And I'm like, if someone, come, I'm like, ma'am, start over. Mm-hmm. You can tell me whatever spiritual journey you want to tell me, but you get that fucking attitude out of here. Heather McKay, don't get talked to you like that. And it might be something she developed because of everything she went through. You know, True. so I don't I don't have to listen to it. No, on YouTube, no. Though, but y'all. For sure. can. Yeah. Well, um, before the next episodes, maybe watch some of these things so you can have different opinions or form some new ones, maybe. And then in the second episode, we'll get into the completion process and when all the problematic stuff starts happening with the people that are listening to her. I think you. this episode is you and I have covered sort of the first episode, not really the first episode of The Deep End. It's totally different. But when you first start hearing about it, you're like, oh, I feel bad for her. That doesn't sound so bad. Then you get more facts. Your opinions may change. Mm-hmm. Part two. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So tune in uh, next week for that. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode. This month is an, uh, a discussion of Ezra Miller and the controversies uh, going on there, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, 
True Crime Headlines, which just came out with an episode discussing the Gabby Petito case and the uh, lawsuit her parents have filed against Brian Laundrie and so much more. And patrons in the Getting Into It tier will uh, vote on a bonus segment each month that they would like to see us do live stream. This month we live streamed Am I the Asshole together in the studio. So it's uh, Christy and I sitting in a chair and we've got the peanut gallery, a.k.a. my wife, Leanne, <laughs> and uh, she laughs in it. Uh, whoever commented and said Leanne's laugh really makes it. They were not wrong. Mm-hmm. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us and you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit SinisterHood.com. Click on shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We also have YouTube and TikTok. Christy, where are you on the computer? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Bailey Carter. Heidi Connor. Shannon Mueller. Maria Garcia de Leon. Claire McKinnon. Courtney Fuchs. Kelsey Puckelwitz. Katie Ritchie. Jessica Tapete. Nicole Blair. Natalie Dobbs. Laura Urich. Erica Holiday. Haven Charlo. Ashley Cole. Caitlin Curry. Rachel Musgrove. Kayla Syraki. Alicia Pippin. Holly Lawrence. Jessica. Amy Chandarlis. Georgia. Aurora Kasky. Davis Leanne Janes Alton. Anna Allen. Caitlin Amore. Abby. Nikki Banks. And Samantha Atkinson. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We hope we pronounced your names correctly. We sincerely appreciate all the love and support. We could not do this without you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Sinister.